I am Bill Cartwright with Living Right with Bill Cartwright. And this is the Stress Mastery Podcast, where we take you from the science to the spirituality of stress mastery. What's going on, everybody? This is Patrick with Egomaniac Wednesday. Glad to be here with you guys. I have a guest with me that was with me about three months ago, um, Dan Waldschmidt. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me back, Patrick. Yeah, man, absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, Dan, just to update you, I know you're a busy dude. You're probably uh, a month behind podcast or or somewhat somewhere in there, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. But you know, Dan, last week I shared with the listeners really more so an a thirty thousand foot view statement of hey, look, if you're trying to better yourself and you are in the process of doing so, no matter who you are, no matter how hard you're working, uh, no matter who you're working with, you're going to hit the boulders. You're going to get to challenges. You're going to fall off in certain areas. And I, and I, last week, Dan, I shared with the listeners some of the challenges that I was facing here four years into this journey with working with Bill. And, and you know, and, and also I, I made the comment, I'm sure the listeners hear Bill speak and then maybe sometimes hear me. And, and we do talk about things that we've gotten right a lot of the times, not to say, hey, look at me, I got it right but to talk about the process in which and how we did get to getting it right. You know, and, and, and you hear these success stories, you hear um, successful processes. And I, I reminded everybody, we're all human, right? We all screw up. We all have challenges. We all uh, fall back and, and start doing things that we know is detrimental to either our health or our, you know, hey, physical health, mental health, um, efficiency, focus, all of those things. You know, it, it is a, it's kind of like what I would consider a constant battle. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of thirty thousand foot view, Dan? What's important about what you said. And it's it's a fascinating. It's fascinating because I just finished reading Elon's Elon Musk's biography that just came out a week ago from Walter Isaacson. And when we often hear stories about successful people, maybe you're you read about Marcus Aurelius, right? And you read his book Meditations, or you you know you might read a, a profound book um, about Elon Musk. What often happens? It's a bit of like the hero's dilemma. Uh, what's told are the stories of victory and what's often left out are, are two things. One are the failures. And the second one is the struggle that, that precedes the conquest. And I, I, in the past, I've often referred to this as like the not yet zone. So, you know, before Sheryl Sandberg was, uh, you know, the number two person at Facebook, 
he ran um, a clothing store in a mall, right? And before Bezos was Bezos, he was the manager of McDonald's. And before, um, you know, Tim Cook was CEO at Apple, he was, <clears throat> he, he managed uh, a manufacturing facility in Alabama, right? And we can go person after person after person of highly successful people and chart out where they were. And, and then, you know, we now see them now and remember them not as the manager of McDonald's, but we, man we know Bezos as the guy who invented the first trillion dollar company in the world. And so individuals listen to this podcast or maybe uh, those who have started down this journey of their own growth often fall into the trap of, I'm still fat, so I, might, I must be a loser or it's not working. I'm not as zen as Bill, so I, I must be a loser and it's not working. Or they can, we compare ourselves to someone else who's been in the journey longer or, or is starting at a different point than we are, and that comparison or the lack of awareness about the journey causes there to be like this gap of satisfaction. And you, it feels like you're not doing enough, feels like you're doing something wrong. And what always happens is you spiral downward. And that usually means you quit, you give up, you retire too soon. And so I think this conversation around two things, one, the, the times you miss, and what do you do once you miss? How do you get back on, uh, back up and keep running? And then two, maybe you haven't stopped but you look around and you're like, everybody else in the world is getting theirs. And I don't seem to be getting mine. What am I doing wrong? These are really hard questions that many people ask themselves many times a day, right? And, and the answer isn't necessarily what you might see on a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. It's like, follow my 17 steps and you'll lose 100 pounds. Follow my 17 steps and you'll sell more homes in real estate than anyone else, right? Um, the, the answer is really not that simple. And what I've learned in my journey uh, in working with Bill since February is that it's not so much about uh, the one, it's definitely not about the comparison, definitely not the comparison, but it's, it's less about the milestones that you, you, you sort of check off and more about the preparation and internal change that's a catalyst for all the other decisions and growth moments you want to have in your life. And so look, a long answer to, to what, what you led into is this is a conversation needs to be had where we talk about like, what do you do when you don't get the results you want? What do you do when you, when you're working your ass off and it doesn't feel like it's working? Yep. Yep. I appreciate those thoughts. And, and one thing that I heard the other day, and I, I've, I've heard this a few different times, but it stuck with me the other day is about what you just said about the comparison and the little saying said, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare yourself to you yesterday, right? Don't, there's, there's no reason to compare to other, other people compare yourself today to you yesterday, right? It's like, what are what are you doing different? And then the, then there's the other saying, right? Is you keep doing something, and there's negative results, right? And you just keep doing that something or that multiples of something and expect a different outcome, 
You know, and I think that in my book, and, and really over as I shared last week, that that really was me and on a couple of of facets of this process. I kind of went blind, Dan. I went like where I wasn't aware that some of my process had kind of gotten broken and kind of gone down a little bit. And I was doing it over and over and over, knowing kind of there wasn't going to be a different result. And, and when you say frustration, I definitely felt that frustration. Um, and, and I agree with you. I, I know that others feel that same frustration and, and what I had made the comment I made last last week was that we cannot be afraid to do that self-evaluation. You know, and I and I know you were on with me three months ago, but I would love for you to kind of restate, if you will, there were a lot of things kind of going on in your life. And I, I'm I'm again, I, I don't know all the facts here, but you know, we we all, you know, personal um business relationships all these things are you know we got your five life categories um and i'm guessing that a few of those were things were occurring and outcomes were happening that you weren't happy with and and what was the point i guess let's let's if if you can go into that first look in the mirror, and then maybe here recently, if you're like me, after a few few months of working with Bill, you, you kind of got to, you start doing that more and more, which is good on one hand, but it also is a little scary on the other because you start realizing, man, I got a lot of work to do. How do I put that in smaller chunks and so I can have successes? So can you take us to that first kind of evaluation and maybe that original kind of scare moment and then maybe fast forward to kind of a three, four month down the road. And how, how do you do that on your end? Yeah. So, so let's talk about it. So, uh, and I suspect, you know, this podcast has millions and millions of listeners, right? So in that group, there will probably be thousands of people listening who have wanted to work with Bill. <clears throat> I was. I've known Bill for a bunch of years. Bill's come and spoke at some of my conferences. I think that's where you even met him back in the, back in the day, Patrick. Yep, um, right. And Bill's one of these guys who's sincere and wise and a bit of a nerd when it comes to knowledge, right? He just consumes it, loves it, shares it. It's his thing. And so uh, when, when I took a leave of absence back in February from, from my business for a couple months, he and I were talking about something and he's like, dude, now is the time for us to get going. And again, I, I'm not pitching Bill. I pay him a lot of money, like a, a lot of other people too, for, for good advice. It was an investment for me. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is, this is serious money. Um, is, is one is now the right time. Am I even in the frame of mind and, uh, to, to do this? What was my first sort of thought process? The second thing is, I don't know how many times I've started something and, and I just get frustrated because I don't finish it. And as I've analyzed things in my life, why does that happen? Sometimes I'm doing too many things. And I, for me to be better at one, I have to do, do fewer and just to put all my eggs in that basket. 
And I made a decision, a very conscious decision, to invest in myself. And a very wise mentor say to me years ago, and it sounds like a great sales pitch, but boy, is it so true. He said, transformation happens in the transaction. He was advising me not to give away my value or my gift or my business strategy. He said, because you are taking away from people that rare moment when your eyes are opened, your heart is full of joy, and you have been transformed. Even if it's just for a few seconds, that moment is something that people can spend their whole lives looking for. I decided that was, that was, it was time for me to begin that transformational journey. And so I, I you know, took out the checkbook and wrote him a check uh, to, to get started. I think originally we were planning to work for two months because then two months later I had to go back to you know, my, 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 the real world. Uh, and it was going to be a two month, two month journey. And, and as you said, it's been eight months and we're still working together along that pathway. Um, and there were a lot of things that were broken. A lot of things, uh, relationships broken, uh, work, work life balance broken, um, health despite being an elite athlete. In that same time, when I did my sabbatical, I ran a 50K, came first place, and was 20 minutes ahead of second place, okay? And ran a 200-miler like two weeks later, uh, three weeks later, during the sabbatical, same sabbatical, but my health was so broken that before we could even get really serious about the mental aspects, we had to go in and get a get some enzymes in my body, get some proteins flowing through my body, um, you know, get some vitamins, some, some iron pills, things like that, just to get me back to a place where my, if my body was healthy, the body supports the mind. You hear Bill say it all the time. The, the, the part of your brain, the body that consumes the most energy in a day is your brain, right? Um, and so I, I, I had to get healthy. There were a lot of things that were broken. The, the biggest thing that was broken, and it, it took me six months, so even since our last conversation, it took me time to figure out that I was not broken. This is a fundamental shift. It's a shift that a lot of people can spend, I mean, just many, many years trying to figure out. And, you know, you look at your job and you might, it may not be ideal I mean, frankly, it might be something you hate, right? Um, it's just a paycheck for you. You might look at, you know, the relationships you're in, and they're just, they just, they just suck, right? They're toxic, right? They're not healthy. You don't leave those relationships feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm going to change the world. You leave your heart rates up. You're angry. You're, you're depressed. And, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I used to, I would always ask myself, like, why am I here? right? Why am I stuck? How did I get here? Right. And the, the, the transformational thing that began in February, when I started working with Bill six months later, the transformation was ultimately I realized that inside pulling apart all the, the, the baggage and sort of the nonsense that clouds my head from time to time is this marvelous individual who's been created by God to deliver 
magnificent brilliance to the world, something that no one else on the planet can do. That's why I was put here, to grow, to push the limits of what's humanly possible, right? And to share that as a shining light for millions of others who are just looking for a beacon sort of to direct themselves towards. And that I wasn't broken, that I was born perfect and whole and, and loving and harmonious and abundant. And that somewhere along the way, and you've referenced this to getting started, you lose those pieces. You lose those pieces. Maybe it's how you're raised. Maybe it's the religious foundation that's drilled into you from an early age. You have these thoughts about how the world should be. And then when it doesn't line up to that, you know, you, you sort of compromise a part of your soul. And it happens over time. I'm, I'm 44. In a month, I'll be 45 years old. You have 45 years, like 12,000 days of making choices, some great, some not so great. And 45 years in, you look at it and go, what do I need to do to course correct? What do I need to be the person I was put on this planet to be, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that begins... Uh, that be, that began for me with um, you know of the five or six life categories or maybe there is there seven I, I forget I, I don't tell Bill I forget <laughs> five <laughs> those of you who aren't can't see the video I'm getting cliff notes from Patrick across the video screen here but you know I just I didn't I I, I some things that people look to like financial success sure right people thought that was you know that that relationship success I mean. I was the only one of my friends who wasn't divorced at the time. Right. Um, and, and just, you know, I'd written books that were bestsellers and created $19 billion worth of revenue for other companies. And, you know, I've, I've done hundreds and hundreds of podcasts and TV shows and, and, and radio and you know, serious and all this stuff that, um, but looking for what was that next level in my life? And so you have, for me, it began with the strobing red light of relationships. My relationships have always been something that was problematic to me, right? And what should be easy, which is just being authentic with yourself and then authentic with others, right, uh, became really hard, right? And I, I, I think I became more shy and more introverted as I struggled to figure out relationships, right? And then looking at career and, and how I was placing limitations on myself in my career, by my career choices. And so, um, you know, we, and, and if you work with Bill, he's got, you know, you know five categories um, that you sort of work through. And I began to realize that when people talk about energy, and you, you know, you talk about the Green Focus Power Hour. You know, Bill Texas and his tribe every day asking if we've done the the, the Power Hour or not. Um, and 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 as as part of that part of that process, part of that journey, um, I just realized that there are small activities you can do on a daily basis that, when added together, for me that was six months. When added together yield exponentially better results. And I'm, I'll pause there for a second. Cause I, I, you probably have like 10, you know, 10, 10 paragraphs you want to say, but who I am now, eight months later, 
is dramatically different than when I entered in to uh, working with Bill back in February. Yep. Well, and, and, and dude, I think the most powerful thing that I took out of and, and the, the truest statement you made right there in regards to just the core of what people feel and what you realize is what you came to realize is that you, Dan Waldschmidt, you are not broken, right? You are not broken. But how you came about, if you're like me, how you came about learning to learn that and, and actually realize that is when you dig in and we happen to dig in with Bill, but as I always challenge everybody that listens to this podcast, the amount of content that Bill has in the community is staggering. And how the listeners don't go in the community and take advantage of that, as I've said multiple times, kind of blows me away, but I, I'm, I'm off of that soapbox, but I will say it again, but the amount of information he has in there, especially about how the human being is wired, how we are wired and, and really, again, back to 30,000 feet, we are not meant to be in stress. We are not built, we are not wired to be in this constant stress loop that our world today brings us and puts us in. And, and when you figure out the history of the human being and as Bill would say, kind of that human essence of how we are wired and why we're wired that way and, and through the history of time and then coming into the present, when you realize that a lot of the things that I would consider and what you just kind of discussed, what I would kind of group in as head trash, that head trash just starts adding up, adding up, adding up, to the point to where you tell yourself, I'm broken, right? I am incapable of having a positive relationship with whomever or with coworkers or, you know, I, I cannot, you know, I, I hear a lot of people, I hate reading or like things, all of these things that you tell yourself that are simply your fucking ego going crazy once you have said I'm broken, right? Once you say I'm broken, even if it's just in one life category of health or career or uh, relationship, once you say that, and then all of a sudden you start maybe saying it out loud to others, then your ego absolutely goes crazy. It's, it's like, you know, one of those movies to where the freaking extraterrestrial thing just gets its claws in you and sucks the life out of you, right? That's the way I would describe your ego having a freaking field day on your ass once you say or think to yourself that you're broken in that category. 
where you, I'm sure, felt that way, the way I just heard you describe it. I know that I felt that way in certain uh, parts of my life. All of us, I really believe I will make that blanket statement. All of us feel that way at some point in time. But when you dig into and research and, and start to fill your brain with factual information of how we were built and wired and why you are feeling the way you feel, it is one of the heaviest boulders you can possibly take off of your back. Would you agree with that? If once you remove that boulder of I'm broken and you start figuring out like you said, how can I start building momentum? Even if it's one or two things per day, right? How, what is my path to start building that momentum? For me, when I figured yeah. it out, yeah. right? That's, that's when I could start. Yeah. So, so I, let's, let's, let's take, let's take a step back on this because, you know, feeling worthy takes work, right? Worthiness is not a temporary state of mind. Worthiness is, it, it, it's a state. It, it, it's, it's regardless of whether I screw up in the next five minutes or regardless of if I'm the world's greatest in the next five minutes. I am worthy, right? I am on this planet. God put me here. I'm worthy. And worthy of what? Worthy of worth. Worthy of achieving any goal I put my mind to. Worthy of love. Worthy of friendship. Worthy of, of growth and freedom, right? And, and, and it, what, for me, uh, one was deciding what I wanted. So James Clear says, like, you should, don't waste your time wanting something if you're not willing to work for it. Because if you don't want to live the hard work to change things, then just let go of, of the thing you say you want, because the longer you say you want that thing and don't get it, all you feel is disappointment. And he says it articulately in his uh, Atomic Habits book. But essentially... I was one of those people who said, you know, I want to be good at relationships. I want to be, I want to be madly in love and madly loved. I want to be someone who feels deeply fucking confident in their soul. Whether anyone sees that, senses it, knows it, or cares, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's one of the building blocks of my soul. I want to feel that sense, right? And so... For me, I, I had to start in a dark place uh, that was full of guilt and shame. See, the way I was raised, uh, it, was, it was about you know, not doing things that were wrong. It didn't matter how many good things you did. It's like, but how many wrong things did you do? And some of that was some religion. And look, I'm not a person who has regrets. I think that's a waste of time. Um, you know, resentment and regrets, those were all red energies. 
you know, they're low, they, they, they don't bring you happiness, they don't bring you fulfillment, they don't bring you growth, it, it sort of bogs you down. But realizing how many things I felt guilty for, and let me give you a really silly example. I could be walking down the street and see someone drop a piece of paper that was meant to go in a trash can. I would feel guilty if I didn't go over, pick up the piece of trash and put it in the trash can. Like, no, no exaggeration. I, can't, I can remember walking past someone doing that and the thought was, dude, come on. Like, for real, that's the type of person you are. I didn't create the trash. I didn't, like, it's not my job to pick up anyone's trash. Here I am feeling a red energy of shame and guilt because I didn't fix a problem that someone else created. Oh, that's a silly example. But if you feel shame and guilt over someone else dropping a piece of trash on the ground, like, imagine what's really potent that you feel shame and guilt for. And the building blocks of my life for 40 some odd years were built around not being good enough, not feeling good enough, always pushing myself to achieve the next level, not because I was worthy of being at that level, but because if I wasn't at that level, there was guilt or shame uh, associated with that. And I suspect as I talk more about these sort of things, in the public. There's, there's a bunch of people like that out there. We don't talk about it because it's certainly not manly, but how many times, you know, are we not passionate about our relationships? Or are we not passionate about our work? Are we not passionate about our calling, sort of our, our God-given destiny to be great because there's shame or some sort of guilt associated with, you know, having money or being successful or, or having gifts where you can be generous, right? If there's just an unnecessary shame and guilt we attach to these things. So for me, step one, uh, maybe step zero, was to realize the shame and guilt. How did I do that? Well, again, I, I, I said transformations in the transaction. I'm going to buy into that. For me, it was journaling. So I would write down anytime I felt shame. I had a little field note, which was tiny, almost three by five notebooks that you can buy on Amazon for, you know, 50 cents a book or something. I would sit down and write. You know? And then, of course, I would use the let it go technique. For those of you, you know, have heard Bill talk about letting it go. I would actively let go of guilt and shame. I had to do that. I did that. I did that for months. And I would talk to Bill on some of my weekly calls and be like, dude, I'm doing this stuff and I don't feel it. Like, I still feel it. And he's like, dude, you're going to feel you're going to feel red energy for your entire life. This is about mastery of those things, not avoidance, right? This is about you having the skills to master this. Still to this day, and I know what you're talking about, Patrick, because there's times where my journaling has sort of dropped off a little bit. I've grown past shame, shame and guilt. I don't feel shame and guilt. And instantly, when I feel shame and guilt, I know that uh, you know, it's, it's laughable. Uh, I wrote in my first book about um, being suicidal you know, and, and sort of the red energies that had pushed me to that point. You know, I'll never be in that spot ever again in my life, ever. Because I've learned the skills to work past those red energies, to see them, avoid them, not let them build up to where they're sort of an insurmountable burden. But I had to start by journaling. The second thing I had to do <clears throat> was to go buy some post-it notes. I write, I write, uh, I mean, I've got an iPad I'm holding right now and like on the, I've got my, I've got a case for it and on the case, I've got a bunch of post-it notes. So my, um, my, you know, my, my iPad goes here 
and right behind it are all the notes. And every time I need to see something, I just take the iPad off and I can see what my notes are. And one of the notes says, I am worthy. One of the notes says, be curious. One of the notes says uh, something to remind me of my ego and to avoid my ego, right? And so I surrounded myself with uh, things that would help me avoid shame and guilt. Uh, Post-it notes on my mirror, post-it notes on my refrigerator. If you go to my apartment in Dallas, you'll see uh, stick, uh, you know, see post-it notes there. If you go to my apartment here in, in Greenville, you'll see post-it notes on the fridge there, reminding me of different things that are important. I open up a cabinet, I've got a post-it note inside there. So, our, so much of our lives are testimonials of the things that we detest most about our lives. You know, it's things that we bought and now we feel shame for it. Take that to goodwill, get it out of your life. Cleanse yourself of the stuff that makes you feel guilt and shame. Just get rid of it. Give it to somebody else who might get some benefit from that thing that you bought that you don't really need, but now you feel, uh, now you feel guilty about it. Just make the switch to, uh, to, 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 to just disrupt that pattern. I, I stopped, I, you know, we all talk about not watching the news and we all sort of like eh, sort of slip right back into that. Right. Cause it's sensational. You know, Donald Trump comes out and says something. We all sort of listen, you know, there's wars happening, now in Israel and around the world, there's stuff happening and it excites us and invigorates us. And we leave that and we go, did that help me master stress or did I just infuse stress into my life? And okay, the old Dan would have felt shame. Dan, you know better. And you know better, but you just, you pursued something that was red energy when you know better. And, and now, now my thought pattern is, Dude, you're whole and perfect and powerful and strong. And look, if you want to take 10 minutes to go watch some news, it's, it's not going to kill anybody. You've got this big guy. You know, you've got this big guy. This shame and guilt is, is perhaps the greatest limitation for men of anything that I've experienced. If you think about all the stupid things that men do, to get past the shame and guilt in our lives. It's sort of astounding that we haven't stopped this far in our sort of journey as men and come together and said, what if we were renewed, inspired, reinvigorated? What if, what if we were transformed rather than letting guilt and shame cause us to act out, to be overly machismo when, you know, curiosity might solve for that. Uh, I, not too long ago, I was listening to a, a sermon by T.D. Jakes, and he was talking about blessings. And he made this comment that before every blessing is a battle. And the bigger the blessing, the bigger the battle. And he was talking about Elijah who, of course, was, you know, the OG of badasses in the Old Testament, who, you know, defied the false prophets. And he said, you know, set up your false altars and, you know, your gods uh, will bring down fire. And, of course, 300 of these prophets danced around the altar and cut themselves and nothing happened. And then it was in the middle of a famine, Elijah said, you know, he put the stones and put the, you know, the offering on top of the stones and said, go get water. In the middle of a famine, they go and get a j- jars of water and they pour it on top of the, 
of the altar. He says, go get more water. And he put on the, go get more water. And he does this five or six times until there's not just water on the stones and the sacrifice, but in a moat around this. And then he prays and fire comes down from heaven and consumes not just the, the sacrifice, the animal, but it, it consumes the stones. So think about the heat from that flame. Consumes all of that, consumes the 300 false prophets, and literally, uh, God says, I've now shown you that I'm powerful, and get ready because the, 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 the drought, the famine that I've brought to teach you, that you wouldn't listen to me for, it's now going to rain. And, to, and, and so, according to, this, you know, to the Old Testament, Elijah gathers his, his clothes, tucks him, into her, you know, tucks him under his belt, and starts running ahead of the horses and chariots. Look, as someone who's a runner, 25, 26,000 miles, yeah, there's not many dudes who are running, out running horses and chariots. It's just not, it just doesn't happen. And so he had some, you know, out of this world energy or, or, or divine inspiration to run past these horses. It rains, it rains, and the people know now that there is a true God in heaven. And then a week later, that's not the real story. The real story is a week later, Elijah's in the middle of the wilderness saying, life is horrible. Everyone hates me. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Um, and and, and he, he is facing those red energies that so many of us face. And here's what's interesting. Uh, he's, speaking, he's speaking to God, and, and he is depressed, and he's forgetful about the, the fire coming down from heaven and consuming these stones, and he's, he's stressed. And, and, and so God says, look, stand at the front of this cave and I'm going to pass by. And so he stands at the front of this cave, and a, a fire rushes by. And he, listens, he sees the fire, but he realizes that was not where the presence of the divine was. And then a storm comes by, and it wasn't God. And then uh, several other loud storms and, and winds came by, and it wasn't, that wasn't God. And then, according to the Old Testament, a small quiet voice spoke. And that was the conversation, the discussion with the divine. And that was where God was in that still small voice that spoke to him, spoke to his soul and said to him, you're okay, dude. I got you. Don't worry. Uh, I got you. And, you know, we know the story from the Old Testament. This is the only person who never died. As he was speaking, you know, he, horses came down from heaven and carried him up, up into heaven, right? And he never, he never died. The, 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 lesson, the lesson that I took away from this was, was, one, think about how many of us have these moments in our lives where we're calling down fire from heaven, and maybe it's not, not that magnificent. Maybe it's just like you got a raise at work, or one of your kids makes it into school, right? And you're like, wow, this is, life is good. All my hard work, my, de, my, my beliefs, my, my direction in life has led me to this place of greatness that I can celebrate and then a week later, we're in our own cave, like all stressed out because um, life has brought us something for which we think we don't have the skills to master. And in these moments, in these moments of uncertainty, in these moments of unknowingness, of a lack of clarity, it is all too easy for us as men to do the wrong thing. 
we lash out with the fire. We lash out with the storm. We throw things. We break things. We run away from things. We destroy things with anger and rage and wrong words. And the secret to this is, is, not, is not that we avoid any of those things because we're men. That's, there are things that we're put on this planet to do and to be able to do. But the lesson I take from this is that the mastery of stress, these simple skills of post-it notes and journaling, they're not the thump your chest things that I can go talk about from a stage and people clap their hands and give me a standing ovation. But if I think about growth, if I think about things that have made me a better human for everyone around me, it is these still, small, quiet voices that I find within myself because I am doing the work that is not rewarded or seen or congratulated by anyone else, but it is felt in the depths of my soul by the change that it produces over time. And so what if we began to stack those stones, right? Stack those stones up for ourselves. It's how we start the day, right? And you, we, you know, Bill suggests a few things. I've added five or six different things. I, I've added simple things like I do 25 push-ups every morning, 25 sit-ups. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it gets the blood going right? Simple things like that. I put on my note to send one encouraging note to somebody throughout the day. Maybe it's an inspiring text message or something. So, so my list of things, I remind myself of this quote that I've got tattooed on my side, this paragraph. I say it to myself every day. I remind myself uh, of this. I remind myself of my affirmations that I am whole. I am whole, perfect, powerful, and strong, right? That's who I am. And and when I, those simple things over time get me through the not yet zone. We started this conversation. Get me through the not yet to where I want to be. And just like the 200-mile race that I did back in March, I mean, the not yet zone is like 199.9 miles, right? <laughs> it, is, it is literally the entire race. But then, you know, I remember you hit – the pavement stops and there's some wooden steps and you step up that and then you hit a little bit of a dirt track and then, you know, a hundred feet away is a banner and it says finish line and there's people there and you're celebrating and in your mind, there's a lot of thoughts you can have of joy and happiness that it's over. But the one thought is I can't believe I did that. And there's a whole lot of, I, I can't believe I did that things that we as men often miss out on because we're just not willing to do the 199.9 miles of what seems like busy work or grunt work or nothing work, work where no one's congratulating you, patting on the back or telling you what an awesome human you are. It's just thankless work to get to mile 200. And these are some of the lessons that I'm continuing to learn working with Bill is this sense of, of, of possibility if I'm doing the work, even the work that doesn't appear like it's producing you know, cataclysmic insights or results or progress. But when I look backwards and I see it stacking on top of each other, I can see, oh, wow. So you were feeling shame and guilt in a business moment. 
you applied a let it go and then you journaled it. And now instead of feeling resentment for three days, you felt resentment for three minutes. And now you've got 71 hours, 59, 57 minutes, whatever it is to go live a, a purposeful life instead of being consumed by hurt and pain from something that was done by just hurt, hurtful people. Right? So, what, what, what I've noticed, here's what I've noticed over time is the, the outcomes that I desire have already happened. I'm just realizing them the more I do the work. So in other words, working with Bill didn't make me whole. I was already whole. Working with Bill didn't make me perfect or powerful. I was already perfect and powerful all along. But doing the work allowed me to move past 45 years worth of BS, 45 years worth of head trash, as you said, to get to a spot where I could say, oh, wow, that dude's pretty kick-ass. And if I could be that dude more often, I could actually change the world and not just you know, do things that make me look like I'm changing the world. I could actually have an impact that, that, that is multi-generational. Yeah, dude. Um, I mean, if if the listeners don't listen to this episode a minimum of three times to unpack everything that you just that you just said, I mean, I love it. I, I'm gonna try to do a Cliff Notes version for everybody. Here's what I wrote down. And and you know, first of all, thank you for sharing that because that very gracefully described multiple, multiple, probably hours worth of shit. I could, I could, I would have, I would have needed hours to get unpacked, you know, get that out that you just did here in like 10 minutes. But the thought of unworthiness, Dan, you're exactly right. Uh, um, that is a very powerful uh, feeling and, and something people deal with. Um, probably on a, on a minute by minute basis. You know, if you're uber successful, I guarantee you unworthiness seeps in a lot. If you're not having the success that you want to have, the unworthiness of not having success, right? You think you are worthy, but you're not getting it. Okay, you think you should get it, but you're not, you know, and, and I'm unworthiness of that pain and suffering. But that unworthiness, I cannot agree with you more if, if you want to make a difference and, and start moving toward um, having that life, like you said, of, of where you are, Dan Waldschmidt, I am worthy, I am perfect, I am powerful, I am strong. I am bringing that energy. I am um, turning, you know, what would have been three days or a week worth of um, red zone energies into three minutes, right? If you want that, right? If you want that, you have to overcome that feeling of unworthiness. You have to understand that you are not broken and understand why 
just out of how the human being was wired and put together, you know, it, but you've got to get over that monstrosity of a hurdle. Now, I love what you just said. Okay. What, once you start working on that piece and the unworthiness piece, there's a lot to that. All right. Right. As we know, no way we have time to go into that, but write that down. Now, I think some, some, some action steps here that I took from what you just said. Again, you got to write this shit down. You got to, you got to get it out. Right. And I wrote the question down. Uh, the question I wrote down was how many things do you feel guilt or shame on? And then actually list, right? List these things out of when you feel guilt, when you feel shame, get that shit out of you, right? Get it out, okay? And then I have down here, list out the times that you do not feel worthy. When do you, when does that unworthiness show up? When do you feel that to your core that I'm not worthy you know, and, and a lot of times people are in, let's take relationships, for example. If you have been hurt in a relationship in the past and then you happen to find a good relationship, the crazy thing, and Bill described this to me early, early on, is a lot, I was very lucky, Dan, that, that my mom, amazing. And she worked, the, the amount of work that she put into me is staggering now that I can look back because I always felt worthiness. You know, like I, I truly can say that she instilled that confidence and that worthiness in me. But a lot of us do not have, did not have that. And, and you have to understand of you've got to understand what are the times that that comes up and, and what, how does, how, what triggers that feeling, right? So I have list these things out of guilt and shame, list out the times that you feel unworthy and, and the baggage that comes with that bullshit, right? The, the shit that we all have had happen to us a lot of times, this is going to be years in the rear view right? You got to deal with that shit, right? And so you've got a lot of red zone shit that you're getting out of you. But then what I love you, what you said here, you know, what are you passionate about? All right? Let's go positive. Let's go green zone. What are you passionate about? What really gets you feeling amazing? And, and, and that, and I, I will give an asterisk here and correct me if you think I'm wrong here. That cannot be tied to some bullshit ego thing about, you know, buying shit or, you know, some some damn thing your ego's told you, man, you know, I got cars or I got houses or I got all, you know, that, that's all bullshit. That ain't moving the needle, right? What are you truly passionate about? What in your heart, you know, like you said, when you're able to uplift, uplift others, and 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 push possibilities for others. That's an example of passion, right? That that shit has to 
get out of what are you truly passionate about, not your fucking ego, right? And then I have down here, yeah. you know, the last thing I've got here, well, I got two more. What superpowers do you have that others do not? And, I, and I've heard you actually say that multiple times. I've heard you talk about that in a group setting. And I that always stuck to me of, of most of us are walking around with these superpowers that we're not even sharing with the world, whatever they, those might be, right? You just get into that rut of the same shit, different day deal, and, and you, you lose track of that superpower, right? We need to get that shit out. We need to get that down. We need to identify these things. And this last thing, dude, and I'm going to tell you what, this, this is a, another monster. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it just a, a come, a come to Jesus with yourself, right? Of how are you infusing stress into your life and into your, into your environment? Infuse, I love that term, infusing stress, because you've got to identify these things. And like you said, man, if you've got shame over, I mean, I did something really fucking weird a numerous years ago of, you know, like I, I had some damn watches and I got this award and it was this thirty-five, $40,000 watch. And, 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 it was like that time in my life, you know, like it was awesome to achieve things, but it was some weird association I had with all that shit, man. I just gave, I, and I know that sounds weird. And some people are going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? But I really, I, I just gave that shit to some dude that loved watches. I did. I, what, what do you have now? What do you have, like a Garmin? No, nah, dude, I got, I got G-Shocks. <laughs> I got like, <laughs> yeah, like little G-Shock colored watches, man. But but anyway, yeah. it was like some weird association I had. And Bill and I got done with a a session, and I'm like, you know what? Fuck those watches, man. They're gone, right? They they're they're out. Yeah. So so anyway, I mean, I just have that as some action items there. Or anything else you could add as, as we kind of wrap up here? What anything else? Any other thoughts you've got? And kind of action items and things that people can do to start unpacking all this shit. Yeah, I, I would say start small, man, start small, start, start smaller than small. Here's what I mean by that. Maybe you just give yourself 10 minutes a day to think about what you're passionate about. Maybe you just, your first step isn't journaling. Your first step is to go to Amazon on your phone right now and go buy a journal or some pens and have them sent to you, right? Think about before the big, scary, audacious thing, what's the thing before the thing? You know, I, 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 it feels like to me, besides Marcus Aurelius, who wrote, you know, some amazing stuff, um, I, I think of a lot of like Herodotus and Hesiod, the, sort of the Greek philosophers. And I think it was Hesiod who said, um, if, you t if you do little – and add little, little by little, little will become much. And that, this right here, these tiny little things are the baseline for what we can all do right now. We want something. I mean, if you truly want something, how do you carve off 10 minutes a day to go and get it? 
you know, I'm, almost every afternoon I'm running or doing something out on the roads. And, and, you know, for me, running is a 90 minute investment. If I'm going to go 10 miles, right. That takes, that takes even for a slow guy like me, you know, 90 minutes or so to, to hit that up. And in that time while I'm running, it's not about the running. I'm already in shape. I can go run a hundred miles. I can go run a thousand miles right now. There's nothing stopping me. I can go do it. Uh, but in that running period, I'm doing a couple things. One, I'm teaching my body that, you know, you're controlled not by, you know, not controlled by how you feel. You're controlled by a series of, uh, of, of choices that I make. One of those choices is just to put one foot in front of the other. It's super simple. One foot, one foot, one foot, one foot. And if you can do this for a sustained period of time, you run any distance that you want to achieve. Right? Makes sense? Yep. The second thing I'm doing is I'm, listen, I'm listening and reading. So I'm, I, I listen to, I consume a lot of books. I consume a lot of books. And so I'm reading from Elon Musk's biography to, you know, almost always biographies, stories about, um, I, I just finished a book about this female named Virginia Hall, who was uh, the most prolific spy, I think, in the history of spying. And she did it in World War II. And she's amazing, had one leg, just like astoundingly amazing stuff. And so for me, I am recharging my brain, building my body to be resilient for whatever I throw at it. At the same time, I'm, I'm reinforcing choices by saying one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, in front of the other, till we get across the finish line. And so that, that over time has become meaningful. And if you're listening to this and saying, well, I don't run, or I don't lift weights, I don't do CrossFit or any one of the other crazy, you know, uh, you know, working out like, like Bill does. Um, that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to do something that big. It could be that you walk around the block for five or 10 minutes. And in that time, you're just out of your house, you're away from work and you're, you're thinking about things differently than you would think about in your home, in your home, you're thinking about where's the TV remote. You're thinking about what food do I have in the fridge that I could snack on. You're thinking about when my partner comes to the door or the kids come home from school or whoever enters the front door, are they going to see a mess or not see a mess? Or did I get, you're thinking about all the things that are in that environment. How do you get yourself out of that environment? And so could you be taking a walk around the block where you think, I remember I was in Maine and I was talking to the, the Maine, the state of Maine principals association. These are just, if you ever talk to a bunch of teachers or principals, these are like God's people, literally selfless, don't make a lot of money, just passionate. I mean, PhDs, master's degrees, principals of schools. And I remember them talking about the, the burden that it was to be a teacher and the emotional burden. And one of the things we agreed on was one step each of the teachers could do, the principals would empower them to do it was just to leave their classroom, not obviously while they're teaching, but in between, in between what they're teaching and their break time. And they would make several loops around the outside of the building. They could do it together or they could do it just individually. That short, simple five to 15 minute exercise, just once or twice a day in between what they're teaching, dramatically, dramatically improved retention and improved the, the student experience and according to their surveys and, um, you know, the teacher satisfaction went through the roof. Simple thing. Just taking a walk to clear your head. You're out of the environment of where you are. Change won't happen if you stay where you're at. 
It's, it will not happen. You have to do something different. You have to go to a new place. You have to join a new system. You have to start a new process. You have to change what you do. And that change does not need to be huge. You don't need to go buy a gold's gym workout, you know, equipment and put it in your, in your, you know, garage. Uh, you know, you just need to do something small. You know? That's the first thing I would say. Find something small. The second thing is this. It's accountability. One of the reasons why I love to pay coaches that when I part with my precious money, <laughs> I am not doing it to look good or to go through the motions. I am doing it because I want to change. And part of an eight-month journey is when Bill texts me every day and asks me if I've done a certain number of things, I don't want to look like a jerk and say no. Uh, they actually said no. Yes, if I did a few things, I said no, haven't gotten to it yet. But that accountability matters. You don't have to pay someone to be accountable. You do have to be a little bit vulnerable. But you don't have to pay somebody. In fact, in the community, there's other people who would like to be accountable if you raised your hand and said, can I find an accountability partner out there? Someone that you text and just say, did you work out today? Did you do your 25 push-ups today? Did you spend 10 minutes reading something on business, right? By the way, one of the favorite services that me and my team love, all of us love, love, love is short form. If you go to shortform.com, they have all these amazing business books that they've not only, it's, it's, a, it's a little more elegant than like Cliff Notes, but they've, they've, they've digested them down into 10 or 15 pages, all the best juicy nuggets about that. And even editorial content, like, hey, when the, when the, when the author talks about X, here's what they really mean. And by the way, other people think differently about it. Anyways, you can have these, you can take a three or 400 page business book, compress it down into 10 pages of awesomeness. You could read, you could read half of that in, in a morning. You could have, you could read one new business book a week, or by the way, there's books about strategy and relationships and communication and, and love life and science and, and biographies. And there's all kinds of books there. You can read this amazing content just by doing 10 minutes a morning. And these are the sort of changes that when you've done it, you feel good about yourself. You want to keep doing it. Over time, it makes a big difference in your ability to keep this progress moving forward. Um, last thing, because I feel like I've, I've, uh, Patrick, I've monopolized your podcast. So thanks for inviting me. Is this? You go, I'll bro. never forget. Got it. Uh, I'll never forget two comparisons that have always been in the back of my mind. You know, water. Water's powerful. It powers locomotives. Was the most successful way to move trains from one side of the country to the other. If you think about degrees, for a 211 degrees, water has no purpose to move anything anywhere on the planet because it is not in a combustible state called steam. It is just water, hot water, perhaps almost boiling water, but it is nothing. It is worthless to move a locomotive. And then in between 211 and 212, something magical happens. And there's energy and there's excitement and there's opportunity. And so for 211 degrees, there's a lot of commotion. There's a lot of things getting a lot of hot right under the hood, but there's not a lot of movement. And then that one degree flips and you've got all the power in the world. Same thing with the stone. Think about it. You pick up a rock, a rock on the ground, it's just a rock. You can throw it at the window. You can throw it at somebody. It's nothing. But a rock 
hurtling through space is a meteor. And a meteor, it's got fire and it's deadly and it's damaging and it has potential to move out of its way anything that's in its way. And so I would tell people a couple things. One, be the rock. Action. What makes that stone so powerful in space? It's moving. It's moving. And on the ground, it's just sitting there. It's not doing, it's not going to change. It's not going to make a difference. Water. 211 out of 212 degrees. It, it doesn't look like there's anything profitable happening, worthwhile happening. Growth doesn't look like it's happening. And then that moment of not yet becomes right now. And that's just, that's, that's a moment. And it's not just men, but we as men who like to conquer things. There's that 212 moment where uh, effort and heat and all of the effort that goes into making that water something, the results are fulfilled. And, and here's what I'll say to wrap all this up. If you put in the work to move the water, it will boil. It will boil. And where we often get stopped at 209, 210, or 187, and we've done 187 degrees of effort and work, and it's not enough because we didn't get to 212. And what's cool about all this growth that Bill talks about is it's not for some old wise guy like Bill or, you know, guys like us who are, uh, you know, trying to grow and to be better versions of ourselves. Eight billion people on the planet and all of them have the potential to master stress. All of them. Without sticky notes, post-it notes, wallpapers for your phone, reminders of, of, of greatness. You don't need any of that stuff at the end of the day. You just got to take action. You got to keep taking action until that stone is off the ground and screamed through the air like a meteor and you have blown through all the things that used to be obstacles in your way. And it just, it starts with that first degree of effort. Yep. Beautiful, dude. I really appreciate it, man. Um, I mean, so much there. Listeners, you know, again, I think I said this last time Dan was on. I'm going to say it again. Rewind this podcast. Greatest thing about this podcast, I said very little, which is perfect, which means it's going to be really good. Dan said a lot. That means it's going to be even better. So, um, Dan, I, I greatly appreciate um, your time. And for the listeners, you got a lot of damn stuff right here waiting on you to to do and and I love what you said is you know what's what's the thing before the thing <laughs> I love like what's what's that little thing before the big thing right before you start digging into the history of of how the human being was created and unworthiness and a lot of this stuff that's pretty some big things start small start with little things um, start by taking that time for yourself to think about how you're going to start. Think about that extra degree. You know, take these time, this time to collect your thoughts. And then you, not Dan Waldschmidt, not Patrick Garner, not Bill Portwright, you have to figure out where do you start? And then how do you build that momentum, like you say, how do you start stacking those rocks? 
to get this movement and to get that uh, water to move that locomotive. So you guys, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Dan, I greatly appreciate your time. And um, and we will uh, definitely do this again. We got to make sure that people aren't picking up those damn stones and throwing them at people. They're, they're uh, actually getting shit done. So thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Listeners, have a great week. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. Thank you, sir.